0: Hello everybody and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust This is episode number 149 I am your host Nicholas Minix, and joined as usual on Sundays by Jason Collette Jason, how are you doing today?
1: Ah, pretty frantic day. What's going on, man? Not
0: too much. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh, I could use a trip to disable this myself now with a (laughs) bit of a a strain or uh, stinger. Something in my neck slash back. It feels like a latch strain. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm definitely not going to be able to make my next start. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, Good
1: thing for you, it's soccer injury, so you only have to play once a week, so you're all right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, And unlike
0: soccer players, baseball players do play uh, every day, and uh, so I think we have a, a number of interesting things to talk to, kind of in post-trade mode here, uh, the the quiet after the storm. Uh, we'll start with uh, something that we failed to touch on on Thursday, uh, with Detroit making the move, uh, sending Austin Jackson to Seattle in that three-team deal. Uh, we neglected even to mention the fact that Rajay Davis is now an everyday player, and obviously, I mean, he's he's been pretty valuable even as a role player. I mean, if you have him kind of in your lineup every day in L only leagues. That's a plus. He still runs pretty frequently as he uses as a pinch runner, late game sub occasionally, et cetera, things like that. So, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty clear Davis is immediately a mixed leaguer, even in say 12 team, maybe even 10 team mixed leagues now because of the stolen base factor. I would agree agreed.
1: Um, Yeah, you know, I know, you know, when I before the season were rather critical of of Rajai Davis getting, uh, you know, we were saying that he should have limited playing time because he has a, a proven track record of not being able to hit right handed pitching. And it's not like he's a world beater this year, but at least it's 262 batting average and a 308 on base percentage. That's good enough. I mean, he's really good against left-handed pitching, but this right-handed, these numbers against righties are better than they've been since 2010 for him. So as long as he's getting on base at, at that kind of clip for righties, this, I'm I'm fine with this. And I think that's why Detroit was comfortable trading Austin Jackson. If if Roger Davis had been playing like he had the previous three seasons where he was uh, about a 275 OBP, doesn't cut it but you know 25 30 point bump in obp and just how well he's doing against lefties when you turn it over and and see his numbers against lefties he's having a, a career year this year against lefties so it's balancing out rather well and uh you know kudos to them for stepping up and stealing the thunder from my favorite team
0: <laughs> yes uh side note literally there.
1: literally the thunder yes
0: side note from that uh how are you feeling uh after that and uh specifically i mean we, we talked a bit about this a little bit on uh, Thursday, but uh, what are your feelings? Do you think I mean, this is this is a question that I saw pop up on on television, uh, in articles assessing this after the fact. But the consensus seemed to be that there's the raise just didn't get enough uh, in, in, in general for price. That was kind of my feeling, too. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, you know the thing with them is they're operating without two things. They don't have good stadium revenue, and they don't have good TV revenue. If you look across the league, every other team has at least one of those in the equation, at least one of them, if not both of them. So they're they're hamstrung in that regard. They were never going to pay David Price twenty million dollars next year to be on the roster. It wasn't going to happen. And if you're going and I don't think they would have been able to get the return they got now if they waited until the winter meetings to trade them. And uh, so that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a guy and uh, one of my friends tweeted out something comparing the numbers of. Of Chris Archer and Drew Smiley from a, a, a K, K percentage minus walk percentage from an ERA minus from an FIP for just about everything across the board Drew Smiley and Chris Archer are about the same pitcher they've only their innings pitch totals are within three or four innings of one another they look like statistically the exact same pitcher so if you like Chris Archer you have to like Drew Smiley I think the wild card truly is Nick Franklin I mean, Drew Smiley, I think, could be a three. Yes, it's a drop-down from a one, but it's a left-hander with four years of team control. Nick Franklin's a wild card. I I think uh, it's been detrimental to his development, the way that Seattle has treated him, up, down, up, down, left, right, change his position. Uh, and I think that's been a problem for him. That said, he's looked over matches at the major league level, but I do think some of that comes from the lack of continuity uh, for him, and I think that's why the Rays sent him down to AAA right now, so he can get everyday playing time in Durham because, you know, Logan Forsythe is playing well uh, and different guys on the ro- on the 25-man roster are playing well. So it would have been another case of Franklin sitting the bench. So I think he's going to be down in Durham for August and come back up when rosters expand. That way he can get some legitimate everyday playing time for the first time in a little bit. And, and so there's another five years of team control. Then they have the kid shortstop who a lot of, has turned a lot of heads this year. So – and the in the uh, constructs of no TV revenue or, or poor TV revenue, poor stadium revenue. I think it's the best deal they could have had. I don't love it. I like it. And if I said this on Twitter, if all three players hit their ceiling, then I'd love it. But right now, I just like it. And I wonder what opinions of the deal would have been if if the Cespedes thing. I had a lot of Rays friends like, oh my God, Lester turned Cespedes. Why couldn't the Rays get that? Well, you know, Cespedes is a free agent after 2015. Right. He's 30 years old. He's already making ten and a quarter million dollars. So if you don't sign him, that's one year. And if that Cespedes deal doesn't happen, I, I don't think that the Rays deal gets as much crap as it as it got because I think the name value. People say, "Oh my God, Cespedes," because he just came off the home run derby. Go look at Cespedes' numbers since the start of last year. They're extremely average. His on base percentage is about 305. He's had multiple trips to the disabled list. It it just, that first year was great, but the last year and, uh, you know, what, 1.75 seasons, if you will, has been rather average. But his name value exceeds exceeds his baseball value. Yeah, I I kind of
0: agree with all that. I think it's. As far as Cespedes goes, I mean, you're ba- you'd be basically looking – if you were to trade price for a similar player, you're looking at the same situation. Uh, it's still a, hey, we're going for it in 2015 and then we're done. Uh, you may have saved a little money. I mean just kind of that in a vacuum. But And granted, I mean I think I, – I do agree. Seattle has kind of mishandled Franklin a little bit in part uh, I think because they've had some trouble kind of deciding who which – of their middle infield prospects, are they going to commit to? Is Franklin a second baseman or shortstop? Which uh, I mean, I, I,
1: he's a second baseman. Right. He's not a shortstop. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. He's an, he's another Ben Zobrist. And if he hits the ceiling, he's got Ben Zobrist potential. Uh, but he's not a shortstop. I think he he could play if he needed to, but he's really a second baseman. And when you talk about Ben Zobrist, yeah, you know, that's a guy that has one more team option after this season, and then he's gone. Yeah. So you could see you could see Franklin sliding into the Sean Rodriguez role. Where I'm going to move around the infield and maybe play multiple spots and be that next uh, Swiss Army knife that Joe Madden likes to use. Right now, it's four. He's got Forsythe. He's got Zobras, He's got Rodriguez. Now you put Franklin to that capacity, and, and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I've I've been a Nick Franklin guy. I like the kid a lot. I have I've had a chance to interview him personally to, uh, on the field in the AFL. The kid oozes confidence. Uh, just I I really like that kid a lot. And uh, I've wanted the raise to get him. I just didn't want it to come at the price it did uh, at the time it did. I was hoping for a bigger uh, you know, push of the improbable with the way they've been playing baseball lately. Um, but I, I just want at this point, I just wanted to get over 500 and stay that way.
0: Yeah, I think – I mean, I agree. I do like Franklin. I liked him a lot coming into the season. Uh, I saw him play at the AFL. I think he was – was he there two years in a row? Anyway, I did see him uh, in this. Yes, he was there yeah. two
1: years in a row. Yeah, and, the first and... year he was coming off – he had like a broken jaw. Something happened where he had mono, and then he got hit in the hit with a baseball, and the shirt looked like it was you know, the shirt was wearing him.
0: Yeah, and he was just
1: in it. And then the second year when we talked to him, I mean, you could tell he had been able to finally eat solid food and, and bulk up, and you know, it was like noticeable night and day difference. Out my first comment, I was like, hey, you know. You're back here a second year, but you don't look like the same guy as last year. He's like, man, I could I could actually consume stuff more than milkshake last. When well, you guys saw me last year, milkshakes was pretty much my diet because I I had a hard time with solid food. And uh, so he definitely filled himself out, and I think regular playing time is really going to uh, suit him well.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, granted, it is the AFL. There's not a lot of opportunity to evaluate talent properly there, uh, really at all. But he, I mean, he looks like a solid line drive hitter. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got some potential. He's, I mean, of course he has to clean up some swing and miss, but he is still a tantalizing talent. And I think, I think there's certainly a potential here that uh, we have not seen him reach his possibility, uh, his possible ceiling or get closer to it as he develops simply because of the, the inconsistent opportunity in, uh, with a, with a parent club. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was demoted twice, uh, with, with approximately a month of playing time. He's time. If he gets a good four to six months to kind of just see where he is, uh, at the major league level, I think he will, he may, I mean, he's, he certainly has the potential to turn some heads. And, uh, I think it's, uh, it's nice to see that uh, I mean, it seems like he's gone to an organization that seems intent to give him that. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, and do, do you think Andy Dirks? I mean, he is on his way back. This is a slow on his way back. Uh, speaking of, of Raji Davis, uh, do you think that Dirks' return will affect Davis? Uh, and it's really hard to project that because a lot of this is going to depend on where Dirks can get back to, uh, at least in terms of performance this season, because he's been out, uh, he had surgery, and it's. I mean, it's just it's going to take a while to get back to something resembling what is his uh, comfortable self was at the major league level. And, uh, and Davis obviously is pretty much going to be full gear. This is going to be a team heading toward the postseason likely, uh, and probably a little remiss to, to uh, mess with things. But uh, it seems like Dirks has a possibility, like you said, because of Davis's splits. I, Personally, I think, I mean, Davis, I think has gotten, I don't want to say he's gotten a bad rap against right-handed hitters, but he's, I mean, he's hit over 255 against right-handers in his career. That's not That's not great, um, and it's definitely platoon-type material, but uh, it, there have been worse situations, I mean, uh, where I think that, uh, I think sometimes Toronto went away from him too quickly for some of the players that they put in uh, to platoon with him, for instance. But uh, in this case, I mean, Dirks is, I mean, maybe Dirks is kind of a replacement-level player on the whole, but uh, maybe because he can hit the right-handed pitching, uh, at least take some bats away from Davis, possibly.
1: Uh, Yeah, possibly. I think this year the way he's going to have an, with Dirks with that back injury, I, I just don't trust anything there. Yeah. Uh, even when he comes back, it's going to be that the back thing is really a tough thing to try to bounce back from. So, no, I just – I would uh, – I think Davis now is a 12-team mix a safe 12-team mixed league play. I wouldn't have been able to say that two weeks ago. Okay,
0: yeah. And,
1: and – uh,
0: in Pittsburgh, another player with uh, playing time in question is Pedro Alvarez, and I got a ch- uh, question about him in the chat on Friday. Is it time to drop him? I said, you know, like, as long as Pittsburgh's going to play him, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, in a 12-team mixed league, I would probably hang on. I just wouldn't have him in my lineup regularly. But now that this is, I mean, Josh Harrison has torn the cover of the ball for most of mm-hmm. the season. And obviously, the buku bonus with him is the ridiculous set of eligibility that he has for most fantasy leaguers with the second base, third base uh, outfield uh, may have some shortstop eligibility somewhere. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good possibility. And uh, long-term the pirates have talked about moving Alvarez off third, uh, or at least uh, possibly going into next season. And uh, they've even had, maybe they'll think about it uh, this season. Ike Davis hasn't exactly wowed them since, uh, since they acquired him. It sounds like he's a non tender candidate this winter. Uh, But I mean this this move seems to make perfect sense for the Bucks, right? If I mean Alvarez is a minus at first base. He's had some th- issues throwing the ball from third. Uh, Harrison is not a great defender by any means. Uh he is a minus, I would say, at both middle infield positions, but I think he can hold his mm-hmm. I mean he's he's certainly no worse than Alvarez. I mean, this is I think this is for Harrison owners, I mean, who are I mean, if, if he's not in a in a mixed owned in a mixed league at this point, uh, you know, even somewhat shallower ones, I mean, this is a guy who's hitting a few home runs and stealing some bases and is hitting over three hundred. He needs to be owned in a, probably a lot more leagues, and I'm going to guess maybe he's fifty percent owned in the in the kind of the the popular, uh, the popular setups, give or take. Um,
1: I, I could see that shooting up with this with this potential for this news. Yeah, I mean with with Pedro Alvarez, he really is a matchup play at this point. Over the last month he's hitting two thirteen. He's got two home runs. Uh five doubles, seven runs driven in. I mean that's you can't be starting that in a twelve team. You can barely be starting that in a fifteen team league. That, that's just not going to cut it. Uh and it you look at his numbers. You know where, where he's struggling. Uh, you know, lefties—it's just useless. You can't—he can't be in the lineup against lefties. It's just ridiculous uh, at this point. Even righties—it's barely salvageable. So, um, you know, if if you had to pick one, he's almost droppable uh, at at this point. If you don't have the bench, if you're in a uh, one of those ESPN leagues where you have limited bench, I have no problem dropping the guy. I mean, they've been sitting him multiple times because his defense is a true liability at third base even over at first base it's not going to be pretty mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy what happened it, it, he's made so much nice progress and uh so the next time somebody points out of age 27 theory throw 2014 pedro alvarez in their face because pedro <laughs> alvarez is 27 he looks like crap this year
0: yeah i totally agree i mean he's he's 12 team mixed league droppable i'd be i'd be hanging on by a thread maybe in a 15 team mixed league like a you know give or take it, it really depends on who's uh, who, who I have who who other which other I guess uh, player I'm holding on to desperately seeking Susan as it were uh, with that guy uh, and Alvarez is a candidate there I mean yeah because he's not a plus performer and he's a matchup play now it's it, it's it's the strong side of the platoon if he starts to figure things out but it's 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 certainly not a given in Milwaukee uh, there were some question it, they immediately with the acquisition of hardo opera they still said that Chris Davis was going to be the regular LeFiero steal. I mean, of course, he's going to see, see some of bats of Perra. And I don't think there's any question. But uh, already, manager there is, is hinted at uh, possible loss in playing time. I think uh, Perra was in the lineup to, uh, yesterday, and uh, I think Davis is back in there today. I think Davis would have sat two games in a row uh, against a right-hander, had the opportunity, but the Cardinals switched around to the rotation or something. Uh, I, I couldn't catch all the details, but... Uh, point is here is that Davis appears to be much in line to lose playing time to right-handers. Now, it makes sense to me, uh, but here's the question is, how, you know, what league do you stop uh, dropping Davis now? Because this this is kind of scary. I mean, he's a 245 hitter against right-handers, and batting average seems to matter. Some managers more than others, but also uh, the OBP is uh, around 300. Whereas, I mean, he's, a, he's obviously a legitimate performer against left-handed pitching this season. Or uh, actually, career two ninety four, three forty five, six thirty two slash line against left handed pitching. I want that in there all day. Uh, Para, the only thing that makes this interesting to me is I'm not sure how much how much does Milwaukee look at uh, advanced metrics and things like that. Para is having pretty much his worst season. Uh, in the major leagues, uh, especially offensively, but also has been a minus defensively. Now, I think that that's going to change if he's moved, if he's uh, filling in on the corners. He's certainly not a candidate to take anything away from Carlos Gomez. uh, And I think he can still be a plus defender in the corners. And that's primarily where he used to play uh, for Arizona, I
1: would say. Right. I mean, You don't make a trade for a guy to to sit him on the bench. uh, And and with him... You know, when you look at the defense, it has been elite for a few years. I mean, that's why when you look at a guy whose defense has been elite and then now all of a sudden is putting up a negative, the sniff test, you're like, huh? I mean, last year he was, his UZR 150 last year was 32. This year it's negative two and a half. I mean, how does that happen in a single year uh, with him? So, I mean, with Chris Davis. Over the last month, I mean, you look at him historically; he's been better against lefties than righties. Over the last month, he's been equally garbage against both: two fourteen against lefties, two fifteen against righties. Strikeout rate the same, everything across the board. He's run the home runs that he has hit has come against right-handed pitching, believe it or not. Against lefties, he's just done nothing. Is one double, uh, and so that's where he is. I mean, I would like to see a platoon. It's a de- it's a defensive plus for them and when you think of the fly ball pitchers that they do have on that staff that's going to be nice speaking of that staff Matt Garza storming a second straight gem today uh for that staff and yeah of course I sat him in my ESPN league because I only <laughs> have 20 starts left on the year and, and I, I sat him for a second straight start so I'm a little bit bitter but Garza was one hit ball over six innings no walks four strikeouts against a cardinal offense that still sucks they made the trade for John Lackey but that offense still sucks
0: yeah yeah uh for the record, I mean, for what it's worth, for the record, Para is, I mean, I guess this is probably, I don't know exactly what the ratio is going to be uh, for your average uh, outfielder who can play all three spots. But Para is more than double uh, his UZR per 150 uh, in the corner outfield spots versus the center field spot. And he was just having a really kind of a down year in center field. And maybe, that, that's, maybe that's a real reflection. I mean, it's, relatively speaking, age is setting in. But, I mean, overall he's obviously still he's still a good defender uh, still has a pretty strong arm uh, Davis is clearly uh, a minus uh, uh, relative to Perra in that regard and I think it's it's kind of ominous for his mix for Davis's mixed league value uh, and that kind of sucks but is it, speaking of sucks Dominic Brown uh, has kind of ceded playing time I saw this actually I, was, I caught a couple of Phillies games in the last few weeks because I was back east i'm now back on the west coast and I'm like, why is Grady Sizemore playing? Now, I understand. I mean, he had a clause in his contract, as a lot of these uh, over-the-hill vets do. Hey, if I'm not called up by such-and-such a date, I have the opportunity to opt out. Well, the Phillies promoted him just before that date, and since then, they've also decided to play him regularly. Right uh, and Brown is not. Now, Brown has had a miserable season. Brown is also under the age of 30, whereas Sizemore is clearly not part of your future. What's going on here? I mean, I think that this pretty much seals the deal as far as Brown's mixed-league value goes as well. It just, just based on the pattern, uh, I mean, and Brown has sucked anyway.
1: Wait, you're asking me to make sense of what the <laughs> Phillies are doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hey, move on. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. his Basically, all of his value has been the month of May 2013 when he had 15 home runs. This is, this is Dominic Brown over the last calendar year. His numbers are 243, 299, 350. That's over the past calendar year. That's over 519 plate appearances, uh, 30 extra base hits, and 519 plate appearances. More than twice as uh, twice as many strikeouts as walks. I mean, getting back to the Nick Franklin defense, I think the way that the Phillies have treated Dominic Brown has been detrimental to his development. We're talking about a kid who's 26. If he is on the opening day roster for the Phillies next year, I'll be stunned. I mean, this is a guy who was in dire need of a change of scenery. This would be a guy, if he is traded, I would be all over like flies on you-know-what next year in fantasy drafts. This is one of these guys, uh, the bounce-back candidates, the guys that you give up for dead because they suck, and all of a sudden something changes, and it clicks. We've seen he has potential. I I think it's just never going to come to the surface in Philly again. He needs a change of scenery, a different... A different everything. Uh, so, you know, I would love to see him come to Tampa Bay. I, he's from the area. He's from Plant City. Get him out of Philly. This is never going to work in Philly. Yeah, I think, uh,
0: A, the Phillies totally missed their window. Totally missed their window to trade Dominic Brown this past winter. B, uh, to be fair to Brown, in the second half of the last season, uh, he spent some time on the de- concussion disabled list uh, and then also was dealing with uh, an Achilles I mean, he played through this. It was never mm-hmm. really something that landed him on the disabled list. But uh, I think that that, uh, that certainly goes a long way. I mean, he was he was clearly not 100%. Uh, I want to say sometime between June July on. Uh, but obviously also this season disappointing. I think if you talk about in terms of production, 2013 was not clearly not entirely representative of Brown's ability but uh, well, but it's, it's representative of his peak ability, uh, but there's a lot of things that go into it, such as he's always kind of dealt with these nagging health problems. uh, And, and of course is showing the potential at times to be a, a possible platoon player. But again, that I think that is also a product of how the Phillies handle him. I wrote, a few years ago I wrote a series a couple of blogs about how the Phillies had handled him basically that if, in the time that they promoted him to the majors he had been in the A level this was like three years ago uh, he had been in the Triple A level for only a little over a month maybe uh, and then they brought him up because I think Shane Victorino uh, and Jason Wirth were both on the disabled list or a couple of a couple of their outfielders and basically what uh, it amounted to was once those players came back and they you know there was a big deal they they kept him around even though they weren't playing him, which made absolutely no sense. Uh, and then uh, by the time it was I mean, basically into the next season, uh, he spent a calendar year and he got only 200 plate appearances against professional pitching. And that included winter leagues, um, extended spring training. I mean, why do you do that to what is supposed to be still kind of one of your top hitting prospects? It made absolutely no sense. And then the time that he was getting, he was being platooned. It just – I thoroughly think that they, they've they abused him. And granted, this guy may turn out to be a flop anywhere else as well. But uh, I don't think he's really been given an opportunity to to entirely see what he can do. And uh, Yeah, I, again, this is a situation where, I mean, if he moves to Tampa Bay, it would be interesting to see – or or an organization like that where they say, hey, you know what? We're just going to see what happens if we just give this guy a little more rope. It would be interesting to see what happens. Yes. Uh Mookie Betts recalled playing time is unclear. He did start on Friday uh, and obviously the, it's a little bit more available uh, with Shane Victorino on the disabled list. Uh, Is this a guy you you want to take a shot on this time around? This is the kind of thing where I view it as fantasy owners. I was excited. I picked up bets in, in a league uh, thinking, yeah, I mean, he's got the skills to stick around. Then he's demoted and he's been down for only two weeks this is the kind of situation that makes fantasy owners gun shy. Oh, well, I was a little too aggressive last time. I'm not, you know, I'd still, granted, I would prob- probably still approach it the same way. I wouldn't, but I, I think I'd still want to win him because if you're going to, if Boston is clearly all out <laughs> at this point, right. uh, this, uh, this is a guy who should play
1: more often than not. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to call him up, you're in dead last place. Your season is over. He needs to be playing on a daily basis. Uh, and you look at – and the same thing goes. I mean, with, with Victorino this that's one thing. But you, I mean, they're giving all this – they're giving playing time to Nava, who was in right field yesterday. Brock Holtz getting playing time at third base. Uh, you know, you got to play this kid. If you're not going to play him five days a week, leave him in Pawtucket. Right. Let him, he needs to be playing every day. I don't like when these guys get called up and sit in the bench. I mean, he played Friday didn't play last night. I don't know if he's in the lineup tonight against the Yankees. Uh, But that's what I don't like to see. If you're you're dead last team, play these kids. Get your kids up. Get them the experience now. So if if they're ready, the way Boston did all their trades, they're clearly wanting to hit the ground running and contend in 2015. Get this kid as many plate appearances as he can now. To get make sure he's ready, because obviously you did it last time and it wasn't working out. So if you're going to bring him back, the two weeks in the minors fix? him? Of course not. You know, play him or leave him in the mar- minors. Don't call him to sit in the bench. Exactly. And there's still the same skill. Nothing different about the skill set. Great ability
0: to get on base. Very little swing and miss. Swing and miss. Uh, as as far I mean, strikeout rate even when he was up in the bigs is below what is average i mean or i should say above average uh, as far as his strikeout rate goes at the major league level he didn't show the same uh propensity to walk but we clearly have not seen the best of him yet ow that was a crazy muscle spasm i just had anyway uh <laughs> bets i mean i like him in 15 team mixed leagues i'm, I'm going after him um and in in, in in 12 team mixed leagues i mean i i would i think i would throw like a a buck in a hundred dollar cap or whatever, some something like that. I mean, I would, I would want to top someone if it was a zero bid situation. I mean, I, I, just because I like the potential and he, he can he can run a little, but uh, I mean, I, I'm less interested, for instance, in Will Middlebrooks. I'm kind of tired of Middlebrooks. I've never been a big fan. He's back up. He's supposed to play third base regularly. That was the intent when they called him back up. But I think yeah, I, I think there's still a situation where they could play Holt a little bit at third. They don't need to play Holt in the outfield now. Um. Interested in Middlebrooks anywhere?
1: Uh, no, I'm tired of
0: him too. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I thought I was the only one. I know that I know a few folks in the industry, and they've been kind of fans. I mean, I, yes, he's he's shown some plus power, but uh, just wow, he's a frustrating player to watch hit. Uh, just control the strike zone is atrocious to me, uh, and uh, his understanding of how to get out of that pattern uh, really seems to be uh, not major league caliber.
1: Mid- Plus he, took one, he, he took one of the better uh, sideline reporters off the market. Ah, okay. So there's a little joke. Jenny Dale. There. I thought yeah. Jenny Dale did a very good job. She interviewed Will Middlebrooks, uh, and apparently they hit it off, and then they announced their relationship. She had to get off the Red Sox beat. I don't even know where she's at these days, but she did a good job, so I'm kind of bitter at him for taking her off the market.
0: Clearly, there's a bit of a jealousy involved in Jason's recommendation, so just keep that in mind. Maybe up it by a buck if uh, if you're going following Jason's advice only. Minnesota calls up. Ken- I- I'm going to say this name wrong. Possibly is it? It's Kenny's Kenneth Vargas. I'm going with the kind of the Kendris Morales yes. approach. It's Kenneth Vargas. Interest you at all? Uh, I mean, I see no. Yes. I, I see no mix league value here. I could be wrong. Um, not not a real exciting player to me but i mean it certainly is somebody who obviously uh minnesota thought enough to call up uh, go ahead and give him the i'm assuming he's in kind of in the lead for playing time rest of the season uh
1: you would hope so again season's lost, call him up play him i mean he looked good in the arizona fall league and there's been some just because size comps he's a big guy there's been david ortiz comps Apparently, there's some kind of relationship between the two down in double A this year. He skipped AAA. So to me, that's been a red flag for me in the past. But he was hitting 281, 360, 472 down in triple A. And the numbers, so good numbers as a 23 year old, so a tad old for the league, but he skipped triple A. So that's kind of speaks where the twins think of him. But again, you got to call him up. You got to play him. And he has a track record of hitting. He had even you know, slugged 468 in the Florida State League at 22. That's tough to do because that is a pitcher's league with pitcher's ballparks. But he's got a track record of hitting. I think this is the you know, first base DH. I, I probably listed those positions in the wrong order. But if you're going to call him up, let him hit. I think mixed, yeah, I'm not ready to play him in a mixed league. I want to see how much the Twins play him. But, again, if they're going to have him skip AAA, they're calling him up. I think he'll play a decent amount. I may take a flyer in a 15 team and not a 12. Yeah, you know, I just
0: uh, – that was something I overlooked, and I was asked about him in the chat, and I said, oh, he may be a to – I didn't realize he's a switch hitter. I do – and, I mean, I like some of what I've seen his numbers. I, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little – I'm mostly concerned, I think, because he's 20 – yeah, 24. Actually, mm-hmm. he, t- he turned 24 uh, on the day he was called up. Happy birthday. But um, – I mean, he'd made it only to the AA level, and, I mean, he's hit well there. 281, 360, 472 uh, with a 10% walk rate and a 17% strikeout rate. Solid numbers, certainly. Uh, It certainly has the ability to hit for some power. Uh, I guess I was just – I'm a little skeptical because, I mean, he's not really been exposed to too much upper-level pitching yet. And, uh, I mean, it's just kind of – I think it's it's a bit of a hairy situation. But more I read about him, it's kind of – he's one of those players who has just kind of hit where he's been. I'm also a little surprised uh, Vargas we're, we're speaking about here. I'm also a little surprised that uh, the Vargas-Ortiz relationship didn't hit the tabloids there. I had no idea that they had a thing going on behind closed doors. Uh, but uh, there's certainly, there are certainly far worse hitters you can learn some things about as a big man uh, if you were Vargas. So he's an interesting player, and I think he might be somebody I take a flyer on, uh, for instance, in, in Wars as well, 15-team mixed league. So somebody I would keep an eye on. Uh, casualty of the Austin Jackson trade, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they, they optioned, they, of course, they had to clean up the roster a little bit. Uh, and one of them was Stephen Romero, the other, James Jones. I thought James Jones had a little bit of a chance to, to keep some playing time there, at least in the short term, but that goes out the window, uh, which says a lot more, even because Michael Saunders will be back from the disabled list probably sometime by mid August. Uh, but uh, it, James Jones, I mean, do you, do you see this as a potential future? Just, you know, real quick, future. If this guy gets called up again and uh, left-handed hitter, you think that he's uh, a guy who you would be interested in. I mean, to me, he showed me enough where I'd see some interest in if this guy would come up and get another opportunity.
1: Yeah, if Seattle wasn't trying to be a playoff contender, he would still be in the lineup. I mean, that's the thing. He showed enough to, to keep him uh, not mixed league. I know it's 20 steals. But it's really tough. It's an empty twenty steals. Mm. So uh, fifteen team, maybe I have him in a ten team AL league, and I'm gonna have to now put each in my lineup. Yay me! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of where things sit. And uh, but that's what that's really what I I liked him enough. I think the speed's obviously there, uh, but it he's got to hit a, a little bit more. Again, if if Seattle was normally where Seattle is, I don't think this move gets made.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. Uh, and development. Uh, other other post trades casualties include Jesse Chavez, who is back to the bullpen. This is kind of something we speculated, figured. I mean, this is kind of an obvious move. Uh, not really surprised. He was kind of hitting pretty close to what you would call a career high in innings, or maybe I think he'd already established that. Uh, so I mean, that's this at this point with the way he pitched in his last few starts, not a huge. Well, at least his last start against Houston, where he was absolutely decked, but. Uh the interesting thing to me is that Jason Hamill has performed really poorly uh in his four starts with Oakland. And well, you know, and you know, Eno said, you know, I don't view this as I mean, I think this is just a case of uh he's got he's kinda gotta get adjusted to his new settings, uh, potentially uh and that he you know Hamill should kind of work these things out. I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh he has given up eighteen earned runs and seventeen innings in his four starts. Uh, walks more so, uh, certainly, I mean, he's walked three and two starts. He hadn't walked – he had walked three and only one start with the Cubs all season uh, and really not piling up the strikeouts. Uh, To me, this is a little bit concerning. I mean, we talked about the possibility. He throws a lot of sliders, uh, Hamill we're talking about. He throws a lot of sliders, and maybe there's a health issue. We don't want to go down that road any farther. But – do, uh, is there anything you've seen from Hamill that says, hey, I'm I'm a little concerned about their performance? Or is just is this is, again, this is kind of a bump in the road for him. Uh, I mean this is – I know you're a big Hamill fan. I'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Hamill fan. Um, the issue with, with Chavez – and this is something that I believe either you and I talked about or maybe it was just before you uh, came on board – But we were worried – I remember being worried about Jesse Chavez holding up over the full course of the season. I mean, he's not a big guy. Yes. He's, you know, he's, I think, what, 6'1", 150. I'm just pulling these numbers out of the air. But he's a skinny dude, and he hasn't really had that kind of workload. And I was worried about him holding up over the full course of the season. And I believe I even said, look – let him roll and then move him when you can. I don't know if he's going to hold up over the full course of a season. Here we are August, and he hasn't uh, so with that regard. So this is – I'm not surprised with this because a guy that suddenly turns it around like that, we just he doesn't pass the eye test. When you look at pitching, it, it's a grind to make 30 starts, especially when you have it. I'm trying to remember what his previous uh, – career high was for for workload totals but I I specifically remember saying I'm concerned about him holding up over the full course of a season and as I hide his numbers yeah I mean last year 57 innings of relief he's already more than doubled that at 126 and he's hit the proverbial wall yes You know, actually, if you, even if you add in his minor league numbers last year, 107 innings. So he's eclipsed that. I know from a Tampa Bay perspective, when they work with their pitchers, they don't like their pitchers going more than 10% above the previous season's workload. They're young guys. And, and so he's pretty much wide at that threshold. Yeah, yeah, well, he actually had eighty-seven innings, but one hundred five. I'm sorry, I can't even do my math. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the 2012. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm adding those numbers in as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 87, so he's 50 over.
0: He had about 130 in 2012, and so he's kind of around that number now. But yeah, I mean, he seemed destined for the bullpen, and, and all the reasons cited entirely true. I mean, he he wasn't going to last this season in the rotation. It was just asking too much. He doesn't doesn't mean he doesn't still have a, a future as a starter, but. Uh, certainly, I mean, this was a player who had to transition to the rotation at the end of spring training too. This was a virtual, no, I mean, no, uh, entire build up So, I mean, I think, I think Oakland has to be pleased with, they see, with what they see and depending on what they do this all season, we also have Jared Parker, AJ Griffin eventually coming back. Um, certainly Chavez was impressive at times. The two seam fastball has been really good for him. Uh, I think that, I mean, they have a little bit of a find and maybe if he has a full winner to devote to uh, preparation as a starter, I mean, you could be looking at a player who's kind of, you know, again, he takes maybe another step. But, yeah, it wasn't meant to be this season for him, uh, at least over the course of 30 plus starts. Uh, And just uh, I'm interested to see how Hamill adjusts to, uh, you know, well, just makes adjustments, period, since he's kind of gotten bombed here. I mean, this is certainly this is not the impression you want to make, but. Certainly has also, I mean, with the the thirty plus percent uh, slider usage, I mean, he still has a pretty good. Uh, I think it's a two seam fastball that he throws, uh, some kind of sinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's he still has the weapons, and it could just be a case of uh, getting used to uh, the, you know, getting used to catchers, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, be interesting to see how that develops. I would, I mean, I, I'm not looking to. I, I would bench him at least in mixed leagues until I saw uh, saw some better signs though. Uh, Mike Minor to be skipped once this uh, I mean when you when you're when you're absolutely obliterated by the Padres. There's something Man, that... what
1: is up with the, <laughs> they've beaten the league in offense since the All Star break. Uh
0: I wish I wish we knew. I mean I um and and uh I I don't even uh Yasmani Grandol, I mean uh uh Yonder Alonso, I don't know.
1: Uh <laughs> Will Venable showing signs Judge- of life.
0: Jed Jerko. In fact, that's the guy we have to talk about because we've had some some hey whispers. Hey, what's what's up with him since he's come back from the disabled list? Think it's just a case of he's healthy now. Uh, I mean, that's that's certainly a good possibility. You no, know? but I mean, he was struggling. It's hard to know. It's always hard to know uh, when a player ends up dealing with an injury. It's hard to know how much he was dealing with it before he actually ended up on the disabled list. Uh, and this is it was the second time that he missed time with plantar fasciitis, but. uh Jerko, obviously, he's been and he's hit a few home runs since his uh, activation. We were talking, what is this, in the course of a week, week and a half. Uh, he's been he's been quite good. Um, is this a case just of a player being healthy? Did he have a lot of time off to make some
1: adjustments and think about things in the meantime? Uh, to me, it's the foot. We we talked about it uh, last. I forgot the player we were talking. Maybe it was Jerko. Uh, we just talked about because I remember confusing him with Forsythe mm-hmm. about the, the the habitual foot problems. But that's it. If your if your foot's hurting you, your front foot you can't plant. You can't hit with power. So that really what it comes down to. You can't. When you look at what Jerko did last year. You can question the on base percentage, but you can't question the power. That's the one thing he's always been able to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. I think this, yeah, it's just a case. It's, it's a player who's he's healthy, and uh, they the Padres finally let him get that way, uh, and because this is a serious injury, it's obviously it has the potential to sap him and really affect him at the plate specifically. So I mean, this all systems go. Uh, not to say expect a 300 plus hitter. He still has the flaws, still some swing and miss, power is still part of his game. Uh, still is a guy 20 plus home runs prorated over a full season. Josh Tomlin in for Zach McAllister in Cleveland. This is an AL lonely thing. Strictly, um, not, nothing to be too much excited about here. I do. I mean, I do like over the long haul. I mean, Tomlin has experienced an increase in velocity since Tommy John surgery. Uh, but uh, anyway, it, it, you know that's something to keep in mind. McAllister is kind of disappointed this season. I think mm-hmm. I, I can't. Wonder, I can't help but wonder if uh, he's thrown a lot more two seam fastballs this year, and that's kind of been. I mean, that was kind of the adoption that. Corey Kluber made that made him a lot more effective and a lot less hittable. Uh, I wonder if McAllister started kind of trying to do the same thing and it didn't work <laughs> work out so well because uh, that's not a it's not a pitch that everyone can adopt easily. Um, uh, just uh, but before we move on to uh, a couple of quick notes on bullpens, I want to talk. about uh, What is uh, if you're if you're a Mike Miner owner,
1: what do you do? Ah. <laughs> Yeah, you know that, it's been i'm disappointed because i really i was super high on that guy coming into the to the year i really like the strides he made last year you know strikeout rate he's brought his walk walk rate uh is a little bit up from last year strikeout rate is right where it was from last year it's just the batting average and balls in play it's been a 75 point spike it's he was up that high in brief time in, in 2011 he's back there this year and it, and that's you know, how much of that do you blame on how much time Dan Unglis had at second base? How much of that – because you look at shortstop, you know what's not going to happen there. Chris Johnson's not the best defender at third base, but you've got two elite defenders in Freddie Freeman and, and Andrelton Simmons on that infield. So how much of it is the blame on the two poor infield defenders on that infield? Well, I mean, uh, I mean I... And he's not even a high ground ball guy. He's a high fly ball guy. So what's going on out there when you've got Jason Hayward saving all those runs? And you know, do you just look at the Upton brothers and be like, come on, guys. Shags and balls. I think, I mean, uh, uh, Miner missed, missed, what,
0: roughly the first month of the season. I think it was a shoulder yeah. injury. Uh, and Ugla, remember he got I mean, hit the nuts, too? He had some kind of
1: uh, <laughs> uh, scar tissue in his urethra. Ooh, I just can't say that. Yeah, word. that's hurt.
0: Thanks, yeah. thanks for bringing that up. Um, but and, and Ugla, I mean, by the time, you know, Ugla started to see playing time, I want to say, in June. I mean, there wasn't a huge window of time where Ugla was totally screwing the guy. But, I mean, just... Uh, this is th- to me, this has been a problem for minor in the past where hit ability. I mean, sometimes this is just a case of uh, I mean, you throw too many good strikes or uh, it, it, you're you're sequencing. There's, there's something where maybe you don't defer to the catcher enough or uh, you're just uh, I think a lot of this is just uh, often I think he just catches too much of the plate. And I don't think his stuff has a ton of movement, uh, but I mean, it's it's still quality stuff. I think he can be an effective starter. I st- I mean, you know, years ago he may you know, he might have looked like a potential ace down the line with the ridiculous command rates that he threw uh, that he showed and the strikeout upside and things like that. Hit ability is, I think, uh, I mean, for I don't know what how else to put it. I think that that's always going to be kind of a potential issue for him. I don't think he's going to be a guy who suppresses batting average uh, on balls in play relative to the league, but. Um, I do think, I don't think entire, last season was entirely a fluke. Uh, and I think that uh, there's, I mean, there's, I don't think a skip start, start is going to do it. <laughs> um, right. And I mean, it's, uh, how much of this, how much of the, the missed time in spring training? I mean, how much, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, it's a lost season for a minor at this point. Uh, he's really been a disappointment. I don't think, I don't, I think this is going to take a winner to fix, but um, I, I mean, I, I'm so optimistic about about the guy more so, uh, in the long term, uh, then I think then, then you can say this season is. But I think that there's there's something going on where I mean, he's uh, he certainly, I think, needs to get back to uh, minor. We're talking about I think he needs to get back to a uh, something closer to a routine that he experienced in 2013 to kind of make it look like that way again. Um Speaking to some, uh, like I said, we're going to get just a couple of bull ch- bullpen changes. Uh, Brandon Morrow will be a relief pitcher, well, maybe a relief pitcher when he returns. This is not really big fantasy news, uh, other than I mean, he's missed he's missed essentially the entire season. Um, and the uh, only thing makes me makes me curious here, Casey Jansen, We have talked a little bit about him. He's he's kind of struggled a little bit here and there lately, and and, and things are down again. You it makes you wonder with the shoulder problems he's had. Uh, Morrow has on a little bit of closing in his time. There's no clear uh, alternative there. Um, it, you know, if if Toronto is playing still with a playoff spot in September, could you see Brandon Morrow getting some save opportunities?
1: I've always wanted to see it happen because he's he's brittle, but he's got he's got a live arm. He's you know he's got the good velocity. He's got the wipeout slider uh i i think it would be a nice career path for him uh, his uh he doesn't hold up well over a full course of a season uh, i'm sure the uh the diabetic issues come into play there that it's gonna really kind of puts him against the eight ball as far as trying to hold up over a full course of the season i wouldn't mind seeing him back there and seeing how his stuff plays up
0: yeah yeah i i agree i think it's 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 kind of one of those situations it's like Uh, Dustin McGowan, but not quite as serious, but it's like, hey, let's give up on the rotation thing at this point and just see what happens in the bullpen. I mean, it's not quite the same way that Seattle jerked him around. Uh, But I mean, it's, you know, it's this point. It's like, hey, let's be realistic about what we can get out of Morrow and Morrow. Let's be realistic about what you think you can get out of yourself and maybe Mm -hmm. turn this into some elite closer type stuff. I think that'd be really interesting. Uh, On the way back, Brandon Belt from a concussion was activated, and that's—I mean—that's some positive news because he basically lost him as soon as he got him back from the broken thumb. Yeah, um, hope hope it lasts this time. Brandon will say that. Uh, but uh, Angel Pagan, this is a guy who almost—I mean—he had a fantastic first half of the season and has been out with back pain for at least a uh, round or at least a month. Uh, it's been a while. Sounds like he's going to be back on Tuesday. Has uh, made slow and st- but steady progress recently uh, with his rehab moving. I think the Triple Triple A Fresno. So he's, it sounds like he'll be back. That's going to be a positive for the Giants' offense. Uh, any reason to think that he won't pick it up? Re- kind of week back where he left off. I and mean, he's showing a little bit of power, but uh, and even more speed than he was in previous seasons.
1: Now, I like the guy when he can stay healthy. Uh, so. I, I know the Giants are a little bit desperate to get some offense ro- rolling, so I would not hesitate to put him right back in the lineup as soon as he's back.
0: Yeah, it sa- sounds good to me. Uh, George Springer strained quadricep. He's back Tuesday. Well, it's a tentative Tuesday, uh, but he's finally made some progress from that. He's done uh, a number of baseball activities. I think that's a, a series for the Phillies. I would like to see it because uh, i like to see teams continue to punish my favorite team uh, because they stink and they make bad decisions. Uh, so Springer, please hit some opposite field home runs against them uh Jordan Lyles now, this is an interesting one uh, because I think there was a good part of the community who said, "Hey, this guy's going to hit some serious regression. He is a pitcher for the Rockies after all he doesn't throw hard, he has a big looping curveball uh broken hand back sounds like for a start on Wednesday against the Cubs that's not bad and he's actually been uh two rehab starts. I think he's given up maybe one run, but in the in eight innings as he limited the hits is uh still kind of showing some great control. Is this a guy that you say, well, you know, uh, I mean, it was great before, but I'm not going to jump back into that pool this time.
1: I was one of the guys that said don't go anywhere near him because, you know, you can't change the laws of physics and curveballs don't work at high altitudes. But it, it's his feature pitch, but he, he was surprisingly effective um, up in Colorado. That said, I, I still really don't want much to do with him. Yeah, and I can understand that. I would still want to, I mean,
0: I think – I uh, I want, to, I want to still start this guy on the road. And I wrote a blog on him earlier this season. I do – I like – I mean, he's, he's, he's changing the pitch mix. He's throwing more fastballs uh, in Colorado, and I think that that's helped. And he's gotten uh, still quite a few grounders. I mean, this is a guy who needs ground balls to be effective. Uh, and Colorado pitchers need ground balls to be effective. Uh, the mm-hmm. only thing that concerns me is that guys have in general hit him kind of hard too. And I think it's like we knew there was some regression coming – uh, it was probably going to bite back a little bit in the Babbitt department, especially because uh, ball, uh, park factors. I mean, of uh, course field is the best ballpark in terms of average on balls and play. It's not the, it's not, we talked about this before. It's not the power so much or really at all. It's in this day and age, it's just the average on balls and play with the spacious field. And no, they can't, air. they
1: simply can't cover it all. Right.
0: <laughs> so uh, it's, I mean fifteen team mixed league maybe, but uh, it's kind of a streamer option away or something like that i mean he's he's still uh he's still a little bit interesting but uh i would i would tread cautiously there especially g- given the time he's missed i mean uh, it's kind of hard to pick right back up where you left off when you when you depend so much on being fine uh, Giovanni Soto strained groin uh, he'll be back Friday since he was also he hit the dL as soon as he had come back too that's just for you folks and uh to catcher. Uh, mixed leagues of 15 teams or more and you're kind of desperate for a guy who might hit six home runs for the rest of the season uh, with a 230 batting average Matt Lindstrom ankle surgery sounds like he could come back potentially sometime late this week uh might only need a couple more a few more rehab appearances have you missed his flat pitches <laughs> we have it's what's interesting about this now is because uh, well Zach Putnam has been out on the disabled list now he I mean I don't think he'll be too far away either. But Jake Petrick, hey, he struggled with a, a save opportunity on Friday. Uh, I mean, he's certainly not – I mean, what happens here? Is this is this a save uh, – is this a, a bullpen that you just say, hey, I want to steer clear of it? I mean, in general, that's the way I've been more often than not this season. Uh, Lindstrom figures, I would think, to kind of work his way slowly back into the closer's role. Yes.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that would be, uh, unless he gets traded uh, on the waiver deal, a uh, waiver deadline somehow. Yeah. But I think they get him in that role as soon as possible so they can try to move him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. Uh, um, it, it, it's hard to justify uh, owning, you know, continuing to hang on to. Once once Lindstrom is back, if he does get that role back, uh, it's probably pretty difficult to justify hanging on to a, a Petrica or a Putnam in a mixed league. Yeah. Um, Ubaldo Jimenez, sprained angle, sounds like yeah, he may be, maybe only needs one more rehab start, and that matters only to people who play in 15-team AL only leagues. Uh, poor Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, the, I think the real <laughs> the real interesting thing to me is uh, just, I mean, whose who's rotation spot does this affect now? But I could be totally jumbling this in my head, but you know, this is this has kind of been a situation where Baltimore has has continued to find excuses to, to keep Kevin Gaussman in the rotation. Uh, we have Miguel Gonzalez, Wei-Yin Chen. Wei-Yin Chen, by the way, I would think he was brilliant in his last start. Um, with like, he was. Yeah, double-digit strikeouts, and uh, I think he went eight innings. Bud Norris has been kind of hit or miss since he's come back from the disabled list, but good for most of the season. Chris Tillman is the quote-unquote ace. Uh, again, who Galsman. pitched well today. Yes. Uh, so who who loses out?
1: Probably going to be Gaussman. Yeah, I mean... That's, they always jerk him around. This may be another case where that
0: happens. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that myself. I mean, I, and I was a proponent of Gaussman. I mean, it's it's got to be between him and Gonzalez, I think. And Gonzalez, Gonzalez uh, for his part, has also kind of been hit or miss. I think he gave up four and runs in his last start of seven innings or so. Uh, and he... I think in his start before that, he was like uh, maybe... Uh, seven innings of like one run ball or shutout ball against like, the Angels of all teams. I mean, it's like where did that come from? But, I mean, he stinks too. <laughs> so I mean, he's I mean he is he is your classic. Hey, I'm a four to four fifty ERA type pitcher, uh, and there's really not a whole lot of upside for anything more. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see. I, I to, to me, the smart move is to just uh, suck it up and move Gonzalez to the bullpen and accept what he is. But I'm not sure that the Orioles will see it that way uh and this this is a situation where it, it's kind of been hey I, I we've continued to urge fantasy owners get uh garrett cole yeah yeah we want to hang on to him when he comes back he should be good uh, probably even better than he was i think when he went on disabled this and the RA of around 370 whip around 130 uh i mean pretty solid but definitely less than what fantasy owners expected uh, he was scratched from a rehab start on Saturday, and the Pirates, and this is something that they suggested, uh, now they seem to be doing it, they're kind of delaying his return, he has, he's coming back from a strained lat, I don't think that's an issue anymore. They say it's strictly because he needs to refine some things. Does this, is is this, does this send up a red flag, is it just kind of a pink flag, I mean what's going on here?
1: Um, a pink flag. Okay. Um, I'll put it as a pink flag and say that that's where the issue is uh, with him. He's the franchise guy. You got to take your time with him. Yeah. And I have no problem slow playing. I was hoping to see him. I'm going to be at PNC Park Tuesday. I was hoping to see him pitch in person, but that looks like that's not going to happen. Yes. So, uh, oh well.
0: Yeah, that's definitely out the window. Uh, I mean, I'm taking their word for it. Pittsburgh has, in general, not been too jerky with the media. Uh, And I think, I think they're, I mean, Yeah. I don't think, I don't think health is an issue here anymore. Um, uh, I do think that they are very conscious of little things that they see him do wrong and want to fix kind of thing. Like, it's like, let's take our time a little more so with this guy than we do a lot of our other guys. And that I can kind of understand, uh, because I mean, he's, he was an ace essentially last season, uh, when he came up for them Mm -hmm. and, I mean, certainly know that he has the potential to be that year in and year out, and was not performing that way. And I think that they, I think that they want to see him. I mean, this is a team that kind of needs that at this point, given that they didn't really make a blockbuster deal or anything like that. If they want to continue to be in the postseason race, they probably need that pitcher. But at the same time, the longer it takes him to get back there, and this is it's still you know this is a big picture thing for Pittsburgh, I think, and uh, it'd just be interesting to see. I, I'm still interested. I'm still hanging on. Uh, it's probably easier for me to say because I play in a uh, league with. An unlimited DL, uh, but uh, I, I think fantasy owners should continue to stick it out with Cole. Real quickly on the way out, Paul Goldschmidt, broken hand, oh. likely rest of season. That sucks. Sorry. That sucks a lot. <laughs> and, and the only thing that sucks more than that is Kirk Gibson. Yes, that what I agree a with. douche. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel. I have an idea how you feel. I'm not. I'm not big. <laughs> I'm not big on that. I'm not big on the machismo and the the protector players. Let's let's retaliate for this. This is clearly I mean, this was clearly an accident. Granted, it's your franchise player. uh, But I mean, this was clearly an accident. I just like I don't really see like who are you protecting? I mean, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, who was hit in retaliation, even made the point. I mean, he's. He felt that it should just should have been done at a different time in the
1: ball game. I think it's dumb. I think sure it's, it should have been. I mean, if if you are trying to protect him, you drill him the first plate appearance up. But no, you wait until you're down. If you were if you were that committed to it, if you truly thought that Ernesto Frieri had a freaking clue where the ball was going and was trying to hit your guy, or or even pitching inside. And I read some of the quote that Miguel Montero didn't understand while they were pitching. Goldschmidt inside, again, it's Ernesto Frieri. The guy does not command his pitches, and even Goldschmidt was like, man, I i, I'm, I didn't think it was intentional at all, area was apologetic, like, tripping over his tongue trying to apologize for it, if you're that committed to saying Pittsburgh, this will not be tolerated, you hit him in the first inning, or you hit him the next time he comes up, or the next time he comes up. But to wait until the ninth inning in a blowout game is
0: and complete that, bush league. Yeah, it was like two men or with bases loaded, maybe. I mean, it was like I don't I don't care. It, it was the fourth like yeah, time the guy was up. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you know, they were down four runs. It was top of the ninth, uh, and they were and Pittsburgh was threatening to put even more on the board. So they're like, ah, screw it, let's do it now. Like, I mean, you cannot get that's there's there are a few examples of um, reverse thinking uh cowardice there that are better i think i mean it's just it made absolutely no sense to me why they waited but i mean to me to me it's an archaic practice anyway i think i mean there certainly there may be cases where you have to protect players and i I can understand it in those instances but uh for the most part i mean it's just kind of like let's let's grow up a little bit uh i'm not in, in general a fan of the unwritten rules of baseball specifically uh, but they mean
1: so much to you, write them down.
0: <laughs> yes, please write them down. Uh, Cause sometimes they change. Um, does anybody benefit from, I mean, there's nobody really benefiting from the, uh, the loss of Goldschmidt in terms of playing time. That matters. I would assume that you, uh, no, okay. I don't think so. All right, let's move on then. Eric Hosmer, stress fracture in hand, four to six weeks, uh, likely absence. Now here's a player who uh, Billy Butler may benefit. Obviously we know he's a, a minus with the glove. Uh, and it's, it was it kind of showed some some signs of life uh, when Hosmer missed some time before they actually had to uh, before he had returned to the lineup earlier this past week. Uh, I, I think this is this is still kind of a reason to hold on and hope hold on to to some hope for Butler. Um, Raul Banez, I don't view him as a serious threat. He did Homer this past weekend but uh, I mean it, it's just are you still taking the same stance? I know like you were like, no, no, I don't want to see Butler. Uh, at first base, he's so bad defensively. I mean, I don't think I. I mean, if we talked about the possible. Hey, yeah, if they want to talk, you know, play him at first base one one day a week to kind of keep him uh, involved or make him feel good about himself, whatever it is. But uh, I mean, I think like the one game sacrifice is not a big deal. But uh, I mean, at this point, fantasy. I mean, you, do you say yeah? This is beyond like some hope. I mean, is there do you see reason to hope here? I mean, I think I, I think Butler showed a lot. Um In a number of ways, I mean, but specifically with the power stroke, with the the one bomb, like you said, it was well over 400 feet, I think Uh, it was just it was a different looking player.
1: It really was. It was the, the first time I've seen him take an approach of that kind of pitch, be like, hey, look at this. Uh yeah, willing to take a chance. You know the talents there. Uh, I, I'll take a shot on it and see what happens. I mean, it is it's four to six weeks, so you're talking. I mean, this could
0: be for a good the next month, month and a half. It's you know you're right. talking a significant portion of the rest of the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you never know. Um, Same Victorino back tightness. We already talked about that. I mean, I think it sounds like his season's over, or at least it should be if the Red Sox are smart, they, especially with all the players that they have that they can play within the outfield there. So. I think he called this a lost season for, for Victorino and tell him to get healthy in the offseason. Corey Hart. Yes. Corey Hart, knee contusion. That doesn't matter now because uh, he wasn't going to play much anyway. Henderson Alvarez, shoulder inflammation, minimum stay expected on the disabled list. You can never be too sure about a shoulder injury, but uh, I mean this is I mean this has probably been Miami's best pitcher all season. Um I don't think there's any reason to be concerned here. What's interesting, I guess, is uh, short-term, perhaps long-term, I guess, uh, Brad Hand has been pitching in the rotation. We still haven't seen any signs that the Miami's going to bring Andrew Heaney back, which I think is a little surprising. But uh, I guess as long as they continue to to patch things together and, and uh, tell themselves that they're still in the wild-car race, I guess uh, they don't re- necessarily need to be. And they also acquired Jared Kosart. Jacob Turner still in the rotation. Jacob Turner, Brad Hand, do either of these Turner, I don't care what he's doing, uh, and maybe I'm missing something, but I don't care what he's doing. I'm not even—I don't even want this guy on my team in an NL-only league. Uh, Brad Hand is a little interesting because he's kind of seen a little bit of a velocity spike in the last year or so, uh, and has some decent stuff. But is this guy that intrigues you in an NL-only league?
1: Uh, he did uh, Turner did. Uh, in watching him pitch, it just hasn't panned out. I know I was kind of talking up as a bit of a sleeper in NL leagues before the season. It just hasn't panned out.
0: Well. Uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, Miami pitchers usually don't pan out unless their names <laughs> are Jose Fernandez, uh, Henderson Alvarez. I mean, I still hold out some hope for Nate Valady too, but I mean, I, I think in the end he's probably going to be fringy, 15-team, mixed league type material. Uh, Tyler Skaggs strained flexor tendon in the forearm. Um, they don't think it's at all serious. The Angels gave the basically the t- totally the impression that they were being cautious with this. Skaggs has already missed some time a couple of times this season. Um, that's 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 all fine and dandy. Here's, I, I guess, a question I have, because Skaggs has been rocked, especially in, uh, I think it was Chris Quick on fan, uh, on Rotographs, wrote a blog about how Skaggs has really struggled with men on base. Um, Hector Santiago has pitched pretty well since his recall, uh, occasionally out of the bullpen, but also in starts. Uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong? I think Santiago has a chance to hang on to this rotation spot.
1: I've never liked what I've watched that guy pitch. I just – it's just he throws the kitchen sink. I know Eno and I talked about it at one point. He's like he throws six pitches, but all of them are below average. Yeah. I, I, and it, it shows when he pitches.
0: I can understand that. I mean, I think given – I mean, he's kind of uh, – he's gotten the strikeouts going back a bit. The, the control is the best that, uh, it's been. Uh, he's throwing less of that uh, – I think it's the – kind of the freaky deaky screwball or whatever it is he throws i mean he's throwing that a little less often i think that's a positive for him but i mean it's it's really hard to say i mean if if skaggs misses the minimum he's probably going right back in the rotation he still has the better stuff clearly uh so I'm, i'm being way overly optimistic about santiago who probably doesn't even deserve that kind of optimism but be interesting to see how it is again this is a playoff team and uh Santiago probably just fits in better in the bullpen because uh, they. Suddenly, uh, I I read that I guess people think that the Halos have like one of the strongest bullpens at the American League. I might be missing something here, and I know that the additions of Jason Grilley. And uh, Houston Street kind it's
1: of an okay bullpen, I, yeah. I'm
0: not willing to say it's one of the better yeah, ones. I, I saw some people referring to it kind of like that, and I'm like, well, that's, let's not get carried away, <laughs> right? And finally, uh, Matt, uh, as far as the healthy people go or unhealthy people, uh, Matt Cain, bone chips and elbow, sounds like he's headed for season drink surgery. Womp, womp, womp. Um, at least now we know what's going to happen. Uh, it's safe to say, obviously, safe to drop him in redrafters. Uh, does this concern you in the long term?
1: It does. Uh, that it took this long to figure out what exactly was wrong with him. Yeah, I think, yeah, that
0: that's true. And I was reading, too, that, uh, I mean, he's apparently been dealing with these, quote, the, the loose bodies in his elbow, something that he's kind of dealt with or it's been present for about 10 years. And this is really the first time it's affected his performance. I don't know that. Hmm. That seems that seems kind of strange to me. Maybe maybe I misread. I mean, I was trying to catch up on a number of things news wise, but I was I was I was particularly interested in that. I'd be interested to see. Maybe I needed to just review that material, but I was like, wow, that sounds kind of strange. And i it's not the first time, Jake. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Jake Arrieta dealt with kind of something similar. He'd been pitching with that since uh, he'd been in high school and had them removed only a couple of years ago, uh, and. Yeah, I mean, obviously huh. the Jake area, the story has turned out fine, but it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, I mean, I'm still concerned long term uh, if, if guys have things like this in the elbow with the bone chips or the bone spurs, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like one of those things that, like, down the road, they say it's a potential precursor to Tommy John surgery. But I think. In this day, in this day and age, I think pitching is a precursor to Tommy John surgery. So, I'm not really sure that that's really going to hold water so much anymore. But uh, be interesting to see. Well, uh, it's it's the it's everybody's favorite time of the show. Let's do a couple of quick kind of favorite or least favorite two turn pitchers. Anybody who's really uh, tickling your pickle?
1: What I said, I said what I say. Dickie last week. That almost worked out. Yeah, he it did really well against Boston. and He just got dumped on by the Astros, who were very sly. And left the roof open yesterday uh, in August in Houston, and then had their their radio announcer Steve Sparks throw a BP to him. I thought that was rather slick on their part. Uh, so, you know what? I'm willing to give Jason Hamill a break here. He's got he's facing the Rays and the Twins. He can't possibly be as bad as he's been uh, since coming to Oakland. He has typically pitched extremely well against Tampa Bay. I don't expect that to change, and Minnesota sucks. So I will go with Hamill, uh, giving him a long leash here in a two-start week, uh, and I think that's going to be my most uh, attractive matchup. That's interesting, uh, and um... – <laughs>
0: I'm gonna. Well, first of all, I picked Cole Hamels as a guy who might disappoint, and that didn't work out at all well. I think he threw like seven shutout innings against the Mets, and today he's had seven one-run innings, and I think it was an underrun run uh, at that. Um, so, uh, my kind of my kind of this is a throwing a dart out there. John Danks against Texas because anybody almost can do some damage against Texas these days. Uh, and Seattle, mm-hmm. whether or not the reverse splits come into play. Uh, against Seattle, I mean they're kind of hit or miss lately on the offensive end, uh, and more so miss uh, even so lately. And it's at Seattle. Uh, it is against King Felix, so uh, that I would not expect for a win. Uh, expect a win, but I think it could be a decent uh, week uh, ratio rise wise for Danks. And well, the National League. Well, I mean it's some pretty good pitchers. Uh, well, there's a couple of good pitchers, but otherwise it's just a lot of uh, mid range guys and bums. So. Does anybody does anybody tickle you there?
1: Uh outside of Geo, I like him against the Mets and the in the particularly the Braves. Uh, but Dylan G against the Giants and the Phillies, I like that matchup as well. Yeah, that's an interesting
0: one. That's an interesting one. If if Angel Pagan is back, all bets are off. He is a beast. Watch that.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, yeah, and uh, uh nobody really Strikes me. I've uh, I've always kind of uh, had a bit of a thing for Charlie Morton, and so I'll just I, I totally picked him at random. But he's at home twice uh, against Miami, who has tended to be worse on the road. Uh, didn't hold up the last time I picked a pitcher against them at home, but we'll see. And then also faces the impossibly hot San Diego Padres. Uh, as long as Morton retires Jerko, I think uh, he's an okay starter that week. But he's really kind of struggled of late. Uh, so it's uh, that was totally totally at random, and I'm I'm just kind of crossing my fingers (laughs) uh it has been a fantastic episode 149 i think of the sleeper in the bus jason as usual and as always thank you for joining us and sharing a lot of your wisdom uh, in the midst of uh, your time where you're uh, spending a lot of time with family on sundays
1: yeah it's coming a little bit of a tradition over here to have dinner on uh, a sunday evening so i have to hightail it over to my brother's house over in south carolina and then hit the road this week. Uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio are my destinations. I will be uh, taking a PNC Park for the very first time on Tuesday night, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully the weather cooperates and it doesn't rain out, because I will be super pissed if that happens.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you for that. I think uh, I hope you enjoy those trips to the ballpark uh, very much so. And uh... I'll sit in the rain. I don't.
1: <laughs> I honestly do not care if I have if it says rain out. I'm gonna go up there and sit because I'm in the all you can eat section too. There's apparently five sections of all-you-can-eat concession at PNC Park, and that's where my ticket is, and I'm going with one of my bosses and his family. Oh, wow. So I'm going to sit there and eat through the rain. I don't care.
0: Wow. Very nice. Very nice. I didn't know that they did it uh, all-you-can-eat anywhere I else. didn't either.
1: He just my boss, He goes, hey, I bought us, uh, got a seats in 205. I look it up online, and 201 through 205 are the all-you-can-eat sections. They give you an armband. You get an express line at the concession stand so you can cut in front of all the other losers. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'll take this. Score. And yes. let
0: me say, uh, spending time more time with family, that sounds like a minus when you move to North Carolina. All right, I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> anyway, no, that's, that's great. I think it's fantastic. I do hope you enjoy those trips. Uh, again, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been episode 149 of The Sleeper and the Bust. <laughs>